my most important tip of all is to pay your taxes on time, my friend, because if you don't, all of a sudden you will find you have got a huge tax bill to pay and then the tax bills just keep on coming. So make sure you pay your taxes on time. That is my ultimate tip once your business starts taking off and making lots and lots of revenue. Welcome to the Online Store Success Podcast with me, Jody Minto. If you have or are planning on launching your very own online store, you are in the right place, my friend. I'm your host, Jody Minto, an award-winning e-commerce mentor, online fashion business owner, and speaker based on the central coast of New South Wales. I started my own online fashion store from scratch as a side hustle when I was working full-time in the corporate world, juggling young children and living in the Middle East. Today, that side hustle is a seven-figure-a-year online fashion brand with stockists and customers all over the world. Join me each week for real talk, lessons and strategies that I used in order to build up Island Co. to the million-dollar-a-year business it is today. The lessons and strategies I share with you each week will help you build and scale your very own successful e-commerce fashion business too, because I know how my life has changed for the better after launching my own business, and I want the same for you. Hello and welcome to this episode of From Markets to Millions Online Store Success with me, Jody Minto. I'm so happy to be here today and to share with you my seven lessons from seven years of Island Co. That is my online e-commerce fashion brand, which is a million dollar a year business. And I, boy, I've learned lots of things along the way and made all of the mistakes. And hopefully some of these lessons will help you uh, fast track your success and maybe not fall into some of the pitfalls that I've fallen to along the way. So my first number one tip for scaling your store is to stay scrappy for as long as possible. And what do I mean by that? Don't get ahead of yourself when sales starts to ramp up. Remember, winter is coming. <laughs> For us, we are a resort wear brand. Winter is always very quiet. So during the summer months, we often feel like we are super rich and have got all of the money to invest in all of the things and, um, you know, just be throwing cash around left, right and centre. And then all of a sudden, some uh, winter comes and we are scratching our heads going, hmm, where did all the cash go? So staying scrappy means doing things as cheaply as possible as you can for as long as possible. Uh, everything from whether or not, you know, if you've got an office like me from the office supplies, buying the no-name brands to um, making sure that you're just not overspending and overcapitalizing in some areas, which might come back to bite you later on. Because trust me, Expenses always pop up in business and if you can uh, stay scrappy and have some cash left in the bank, that will serve you well when those unexpected bills appear. Number two, for those manufacturing or for those that are even uh, purchasing products from other brands, keep your inventory low as far as if you're manufacturing, keep your minimum quantities, your, your MOQs small as possible. And rather than going all in on one particular style in, say, a hundred different, um, you know, units, I would suggest if you can find a manufacturer that will agree to do perhaps even 30 different, um, you know, 30 MOQs, but across three different colors, you'll be in a better place to 
capitalize on, uh, you know, selling and moving that inventory as quickly as possible because there is nothing like committing to 100 units of one particular style and color that you think is going to sell really well, only to sell two or three of them and the rest sit on the shelf for the next 12 months. It is not a fun place to be when all of your cash is tied up in stock. So make sure you are constantly negotiating with your suppliers or your manufacturers about keeping minimums small. Something we do in Island Co is we we absolutely keep our minimum small. And what happens if we discover that we have a, a best-selling piece? We will then make it again and we will take pre-orders uh, and let customers order it in advance while we're still making it. So you can always look at doing things like that because it protects your cash flow and it protects you having lots of slow moving stock on the shelves that you not uh, you know you don't know how to get rid of which brings me number to, to number 3 don't have all of your cash tied up in stock keep your range neat and small and focus on best selling shapes so if you have discovered you've got this signature product or this unicorn product which i like to talk about um, where people just keep coming back for it and that's what you're known for Focus on that and reiterate that in different ways. So say, for example, you have, I don't know, let's say a caftan dress that uh, women or your customers keep coming back for time and time again. Look at creating that dress in different prints and maybe create a, a maxi length as well as a short length. Keep the focus on what is selling versus overstretching yourself with time and cash by trying to experiment too much with product that's not yet proven. We want to keep our range neat and small and remember we can always add to it later but by going all in and doing high MOQs as well as a, a, a massive uh, range will mean all of your cash will be tied up in stock and you'll have none left to spend on marketing, on product development for that next collection, or paying yourself a fair wage, or hiring that team member that you need help with, because it's um, you know cash is is king in business, and like I said, there's always unexpected bills that pop up. So make sure that you keep your uh, inventory commitments as small and neat as possible, and always keep coming back to any sales data you have around what's the best seller and think how can you reiterate that how can you create something along the same vein uh, with a product that you know is proven number four my lessons these are my lessons from seven years of being in online fashion number four is don't overcommit with wages wages bonuses and staffing now, we're in any kind of business, there's usually peaks and troughs. And, and often when you're in a peak and the money's coming in and everyone's feeling really stretched and overwhelmed, that is when we can go a little bit crazy and start hiring extra people and committing to new um, you know, salaries and headcounts and promising uh, pay increases and bonuses and all these different things. Because I know I like to reward my team. I want to give them absolutely everything I possibly can. But what happens is when then you've that peak in your business drops off, you come into winter, for example, and the money slows down, you have then you're then really uh, in a place where it's tricky to honor that commitment and there is nothing worse than having to let go of team members. It's 
I like it absolutely destroys me. <laughs> I've had I've had it over the years where I've hired people and I've hired too many people and all of a sudden the sales aren't coming in in order to cover the payroll and I'm sort of looking around the office seeing people that are, don't have anything to do and then having to let them go and that for me is absolutely heartbreaking and I just encourage you to remember when you're in those peaks of businesses don't jump the gun too much um, especially if you're in retail or fashion, you know, it's a real roller coaster of up and down sales. So just keep in mind the long view and go, can I afford to still keep this promise or keep this person in a job in the dead of winter? So just ask yourself that before you uh, go and make commitments in those peak sales times. My lesson number five some tasks in our business are really easy and cheap to outsource. These are uh, different little things that you'll find. You might find someone on freelancer.com or on fiverr.com or even um, software tools that help you systemize uh, things like social media scheduling, for example. There are a lot of options when it comes to outsourcing different tasks of your business. And I always recommend outsourcing specific tasks in your business if it totally overwhelms you or if it's totally outside your zone of genius or it's something that takes you far too long and it's cheaper to pay somebody else to do it for you. Think about what I know a lot of uh, people that I work with that don't pay themselves a salary and I, and I, I always tell them, please pay yourself first. Um, but if think about it, if you're not currently paying yourself a salary in your business, but you were to go and get a job, a casual job down the road at the local coffee shop or the local supermarket, what would your hourly rate be then? Let's say it's $30 just for the purpose of this example. If your uh, hourly rate is $30 and you've got a task such as creating an email newsletter to your list that might take you inside of Canva or a tool like that uh, six hours to create, that is a lot more money and time spent doing something that would be easily outsourced to someone. To an out, uh, uh, We have a designer, an overseas designer that helps us with our EDMs and it will take her two hours, for example, and at a lower uh, at a lower hourly rate. So think about what things are taking up all of your time in your business and have a look and see whether or not it can be easily and cheaply outsourced versus some things are absolutely crazy expensive to outsource for what might take you a little bit of time uh, to do yourself. And one example I have of this is social media, your organic social media. Now, over the years, I've used I've used uh, agencies to help. I've have staff member that that's uh, what she manages for us, but she went on maternity leave. Um, so I hired an agency for three months and the cost of that agency just to do our organic social media and it was about seven, I think it was like one post a day with a five stories a week was about three and a half thousand Australian dollars a month, which is absurd because what they were doing was exactly what we were doing. They were just popping all of our posts into a scheduling tool. They weren't doing anything outside of what we were already doing. There was no groundbreaking secret that they were able to, you know, increase our engagement or anything like that. It was exactly the same. And we can do that ourselves using a tool such as later.com. And I don't like I don't love social organic social media, um, but it's not that difficult for me to do to spend an hour in later.com 
dropping in some images, writing a few cute captions and programming that for the rest of the week. It's not something that warrants that amount of spend, in my opinion. Uh, so there, like I said, there's different things in your business that you can outsource cheaply, um, which make good business and dollar sense. And then there's other things that are just crazy expensive. Another thing that is really expensive to outsource is Facebook ads management. Um, and I've looked at that over the years and I am a bit of a weirdo. I actually love Facebook ads. Um, I live for the numbers and the analytics and I manage it all myself. But sometimes like when we, uh, you know, in those peaks of business where I feel totally stretched and overwhelmed, I'm, I think that's it. I'm going to outsource this to someone else. Um, it's really expensive. One company quoted me $6,000 a month to manage my level of uh, Facebook ad account. Plus, they also wanted a commission from the sales and from sales that I was already making without their help. But they were, they said, if any more, you know, any sales we make via your ads, even though they're already doing well, we also want a commission. So it's something that is crazy expensive uh, in most cases to outsource. And I know Facebook ads are something that are terrifying for many, many people. Um, but once you know the basics, and if you're only spending a minimum budget, you know, maybe you're only spending anywhere between I don't know, 10 and $100 a day, you can manage that level of ads yourself. And the great thing about Facebook ads is if, you know, you know how to manage them and you notice that they haven't made any sales for a few days, you can go in and make necessary changes. So just keep that in mind. What, where are you best spent uh, in your time you're in your business? And usually it's in revenue producing uh, activities uh, versus what can be, what takes up too much of your time and can be cheaply and easily outsourced. Okay, lesson number six, practice difficult conversations. You will have many of them as your business grows. And this, I've had quite a few of these recently, even just in the last week. It can be anything from difficult conversations with suppliers to difficult conversations with influencers to difficult conversations with staff and team members to difficult conversations with a partner who might be on your case um, about, you know, selling more product and clearing out that garage of, of empty stock, for example. It's something I hear a lot of um, from women. Um, it's it's something you will need to master. And and by all means, I am not a leadership coach. Um, I get coaching um, from other others that specialize in that. But there is, uh, it's something that you will need to practice is, is having these difficult conversations that are fair but firm and that you don't lose sleep over, you know, for, for days leading up until them because you will have to have many of them. One of my tips for this is to write out the conversation, script it uh, a few days before you, you've got that, that meeting coming up, go over it and think, is this fair? Is this firm? Um, at the end of the day, after having this conversation, what would this, pe this person think and feel about me? If you read through that script and think, oh, they're going to think I'm a horrible person, well, maybe you need to go in and, and tone it down a little bit. So, Having difficult conversations, uh, I mean, in life, we have to have them, but you will be having a lot more of them when you're in business. My, fa my final, final lesson from uh, being in business for seven years uh, is pay your taxes on time. If you have got regular revenue coming in and if you're in a country like we are in Australia where, where you're registered for GST, so 10% of every single sale, you have to pay 10% to the tax office. 
set yourself up on some sort of pay-as-you-go plan, speak to your accountant, don't think, oh, it'll be okay, and then in nine months' time you get three quarters worth of tax bills um, for about $100,000 and then you think, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to get myself out of this? I'm speaking from personal experience here. Don't put it off. Don't put it off, my friend. Pay your taxes on time because the tax office... Even if you shut your business down, they will come after you for that money. So make sure that you prioritize that, whether or not that's setting up a specific bank account to funnel taxes into or setting up an actual system with your tax office where you're paying them a monthly amount. Have a conversation with your accountant about what the best way forward is for you. If you're like me and if money, any money is sitting in a bank account just seems to burn a hole through it and I just end up spending it, set up a repayment plan direct with the ATO because there's no getting out of that. If you're great at saving, well, perhaps the bank account method will work well for you. Also, a side note, I started my business when I was living in the UAE in Dubai where there was no tax. There was no uh, company taxes or income tax or anything like that. So for the first half, uh, four even years of my business, I was like, "Eh, what even, who even cares about taxes? And this is probably why I managed to get myself a tax bill now back in Australia where you have to register for tax and pay tax, uh, it can be a bit of a rude shock. So just make sure if you are, you know, moving countries or anything like that, Check what your local tax authorities' rules are and don't forget about it. Don't just uh, have your head in the clouds and think, it's fine, it'll all sort itself out. You need to systemise and make sure that that is paid. Well, I hope these seven seven lessons from seven years of Island Co. have been helpful to you. I wish you all the very best in your online store journey. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast. Give me a rating. Give me a review. If you really want to make my day, I'd love that. And I will see you next week, same time, same place, with an updated episode for you. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Online Store Success with Jody Minto. If you loved it, please share it with your friends on Instagram and tag me at I am Jody Minto so I can say thank you. And if you really want to make my day, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like my help in starting or scaling your online store, be sure to check out my free resources and programs at jodyminto.com. Thanks again and best of luck with your store. Oh, 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 oh,